There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmores. Follow him on the Twitter at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. And Matt Waldman is here with us at Matt Waldman uh, to talk about some of this rookie class. But uh, sorry I wasn't here last week, everyone. Uh, Pat had to, uh, you know, fill in the hosting chair and, and do all the stuff there. Uh, he threatened to never have me back because he had such a good time without me, but I am back here ready to talk some football fits. How did it go without me? And I know you really did miss oh, me. So I, I'm not even going to ask you that. Question. I don't know how I know we persevered did. without you Boggs, but uh, yeah, we, we made it through somehow and uh, yeah, it went pretty well, but uh, you know, we are on to next week and really happy to have Matt here. Cause uh, I know draft the NFL draft is, is, uh, bearing down on us when Matt comes to pay us a call. <laughs> so, and this is Matt Waldman's jam at Matt Waldman. Like we said before, go to mattwaldman.com to check out his rookie scouting profile. He's been doing that for, I feel like almost 20 years now, right, Matt? I mean, yeah. it's been a long time. You've been putting this thing together and uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Year. 18 yeah. of them already, man. Yep. So th- this, uh, th- the rookie scouting profile is graduating high school. Already, I mean, yeah, it's 18 years old. It's ready yeah. to rock and roll. Yeah, so. pretty much registering with Selective Service, I guess, as we speak. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about the uh, the profile and, uh, you know, uh, tell everyone where they can get it, of course. Sure. The RSP Rookie Scouting Portfolio is available at mattwaldman.com. It, um, it's one of the two most purchased draft guides that are independent draft guides, according um, by... Um, you know, evaluate evaluators in the NFL personnel, like scouts and personnel people, according to folks like Alex Brown, who's the director of recruiting at SMU, who's worked with Tom Herman at Houston, and then was at the head of uh, head of recruiting at Rice. So he meets with these types of scouts on a regular basis. Now it's just devoted to quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. But I do at least 150 prospects. I go 
through my entire process and my process is based on the best practices that I learned from a different industry to really take subjective data that you find from film and try and objectify it as much as possible, really clearly define what it is that I'm looking at. For instance, my my wide receiver checklist is literally 98 defined points of detail of what I'm looking at. And then I use another grading format to actually, de- the, the 98 points is like what they can do. Then I look at how well they do it and base a grade ranking on that. I show take you through my process so it's transparent, try to do it in a really entertaining way so that you can see how these players relate to one another on different skill sets. You get cheat sheets so that you can just get like the short version and say, I just want to know where I should draft these guys. I have all that too. I do a post-draft along with it a week after the draft that gives you kind of like a tiered ranking across all positions um, of over 200 prospects um, after the draft about you know, six to seven days after the draft, usually come out with a preliminary cheat sheet first within the first three days, just so if people are drafting pretty quickly after the draft that they can have something from me. I look at fits, I look at depth chart information, even on the cheat sheet, I'll show you things like if I love saying, you know, Patrick Mahomes better than, you know, Baker Mayfield, but you could get Patrick Mahomes in the second round based on ADP. I show you the ADP data that I've, I've tracked during early drafts and then show you the sweet spot of where you can get the best value for these players um, or where you have to get them, even if I think they're a little overvalued. So you get all that for $21.95, mountwaldman.com, plus a newsletter. It's a great deal. Most people, when I say they're pleasantly shocked, you're going to hear it from me and it sounds like a sales pitch, but you can go to Twitter and see me retweeting people who are just like, I had no idea. I had high expectations. I had no idea. And uh, that's I- why I'm still here. I love going back to not not only after they're drafted and, and going back and looking at the profiles and stuff, but I like going back a couple of years and looking at them after they've been drafted and like, man, Waldman was crushing it. I mean, Skylar Thompson last year, you know, we were, we were talking about him on this show. He ends up starting a bunch of games for Miami because of Tua's concussion uh, issues. And, and, you know, we had the full breakdown here with Matt. So uh, I, I suggest you guys go check it out. It's an awesome resource. And this is this is a fantasy football guy, too. Come on. We're talking to a guy that has worked at football guys before. He's been in the fantasy industry for over 20 years. This is exactly what we want. So thank you for uh, sharing your time. And Matt, are you one of those psychos Pleasure. that likes to draft immediately? Uh, do your rookie draft immediately after the draft, or do you like to wait a little bit? I'm in leagues with those types of psychos. That's how I started. <laughs> so we're like full IDP, every, you oh, know, yeah. 50 man rosters, big practice squad. Those are most of the leagues I play in. I mean, so, I like the I like the psycho rosters. I don't like the psycho drafting immediately after the draft. I like sure. to just wait a little bit. Let's just see how these guys are fitting in. Let's get some quotes from the coaches. Hey, Let's get some of that hey, stuff. Let's. Hey, I want to have understand. all the information I have. So. No, nah, man, I jump off the cliff, baby. That's, that's, <laughs> the, way, that's the way we go. <laughs> We're going right in. We're going in. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of going in, we are going to talk. QBs first, but before we do, I got to tell you guys to subscribe to Fantasy Pro's YouTube channel and comment below this video because when you do, you could win a free FRWE upgrade to Fantasy Pro's Premium. Whether you're looking for custom mock drafts, salary cap tools, or in-depth analysis of your fantasy performance, Fantasy Pro's Premium has the tools to help you win, unlock the most powerful tools in the industry. Don't want to wait for the giveaway? Sign up today at fantasypros.com slash premium and start playing smarter not harder. I also got to say, Ryan C won this th- this giveaway last month. 
Congrats, Ryan. Please get in touch with our customer support agents at mailbag at fantasypros.com with proof of your subscription to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel and your current fantasypros.com username, and we will get that upgrade processed for you as soon as possible. Again, the winner is Ryan C. Congrats. So let's dive in, Matt, and let's talk about these QBs. And my first question, and, you know, however you want to answer this, uh, and this is the ultimate question with Bryce Young. Do the talents of of for him at the QB position outweigh the size concerns that we've seen from another Alabama QB into a tongue of Viola? Obviously, different players. Um, I feel like Bryce Young is better at escaping pressure. He's a very, very good quarterback. I would say, you know, he's the best going into the NFL right now. I don't think he has a highest ceiling or anything, but he's definitely the best going into the NFL. But he's small of stature and these guys get hurt and players get bigger and bigger, stronger, faster every single year. So is, does his talent outweigh his size concerns? No, cause we can go back to Fran Tarkenton. We can go back to Joe Montana, who looked like he had baby arms for legs <laughs> um, throughout his career, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. And really, if you look at Kyler Murray and look at really how, bad of a manager he is in the pocket he's mobile as all get out he can yeah. stretch plays for eight seconds that's great but he also forces his receivers to reroute and he can't he can't get rid of the ball quickly after he moves because the way he moves is way too dynamic for the situation well bryce young isn't that way bryce young is basically kyla murray um as a as an elusive player within the pocket or just outside the pocket maybe not on the run but with more control with more ability to identify um, receivers and get the ball out quicker. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. Um, to, to me, it's more about fit. Now, if you put him in, you put him with a team that isn't enthusiastic about using him and doesn't use the, doesn't really employ a spread oriented system, doesn't want to um, really maximize what he does best, which is what you want to do with every quarterback that you have that you're going to take in the first round, then yeah, that's an issue. Um, but I find that players who, yes, the punishment factor is always going to be a concern, but at the same time, if you're good at making people miss and you don't have a lot of surface area to hit, um, that actually can be kind of a positive for you too. And we don't, you know, people worry about throwing over the line of scrimmage. We want to remind people every year it's throwing between the, the blockers and the space between the, the trenches at the line of scrimmage, not over. So I think he'll be fine. Matt, it seems like you're very enthusiastic about Anthony Richardson. I know you hate rankings because of the lack of nuance that they have, but uh, you do do overall positional rankings and you've got Richardson as your number one quarterback. Can you maybe talk about some of the misconceptions with him? Because I think a lot of people are under the impression that he is all tools and no toolbox. But um, you make the case that he's definitely not technically and conceptually unskilled and that he's actually a wizard on the whiteboard. Yeah, that's for sure. So we'll put it this way. You, if you want to see the complete breakdown, you can get it for free at footballguys.com. You can, you can go there and you can look up Matt Waldman in the search bar and you'll see my full scouting report as well as my thoughts on this. But I'll summarize it this way is that Anthony Richardson, um, Anthony Richardson's skills in the pocket, the way that he moves with efficiency and control, the way he 
anticipates and avoids pressure, the way that he manipulates defenders in the middle of the field and in the flats, not the deep safety that a high school player does and that every analyst talks about like it's an important thing, but it's like a baseline thing. The bigger things are being able to manipulate multiple defenders in spaces underneath the safeties. And he does that extraordinarily well while he's moving in the pocket, avoiding pressure, and then being able to layer the throw in the intermediate range of the field. What I just described to you are things that a lot of players get highlighted for on ESPN for, you you know, one of those things, but not all those things together um, and often struggle trying to integrate those things together. The thing with Anthony Richardson is that he has some footwork issues that are off, that some of his passes are inaccurate. But if you look at the studies that are being done by people who actually track information like myself or, you know, there's some other folks that I've tweeted about in the in the article that show that in some of their databases, the only guy who had more drop passes of catchable passes um, in their database was Dan Marino than, than Anthony Richardson. So and that his ability to avoid sacks, the only guy who was better was um, Philip Rivers, who, as we know, is not a great mover. He was just a, he was efficient and knew how to move in the pocket. So then when now that we finally talk about Anthony Richardson say, oh, yeah, he's a near perfect athlete. When we talk about what they look at for RAS score, you know, relative athletic score, scored a 10 out of 10. Highest QB uh, ever. Ever. And he runs with a stamina of speed. Like Marshawn Lynch never ran with high speed. He ran with a, a speed that he maintained throughout the entire run, whether he was getting hit, carrying people or spinning off folks. And you see some of his greatest runs are just that he maintained the same speed no matter what he encountered throughout the entire run. Anthony Richardson has that skill in addition to the fact that he doesn't have to use it like Kyler Murray feels like he has to use it every time he's in the pocket. I'm banging on Kyler Murray a fair bit. He was a good quarterback, but I'm just trying to highlight the difference. I'll put it to you this way in, in a short way. Let's say that Scott is Anthony Richardson and Pat, you're like, you're like the court. You're, you're like the Mitchell Trubisky, Drew Locke, you know, sorry to insult you, but <laughs> like, you know, the, yeah. the quarterbacks that everybody like, Everybody wants in the first round because they fit all the Bill Parcells guidelines from 40 years ago. That was good for a defensive oriented coach, but we didn't have the analytics to really look at things the way we can now and maybe don't look at film at the level we should. Well, that's safe for that's safe for Barcells. It's safe for GM speak. But say you guys are those players. But instead of being football players, you're learning how to speak Vietnamese. Okay, and you're going to go to Vietnam and you're going to have all these um you're going to have these language lessons and Scott go Scott Scott's not going first. You're going first, Pat, because you're that you, you, you've had, you've been a two, three year starter. You've been learning for two to three years how to play, how to, how to, um, how to speak the language. You go over there, you've got a guide, you've got an app on your phone. They lead you. They make sure you stay out of all the dangerous neighborhoods. They make sure that you stay out of, um, you know, not getting ripped off. You, you get this nice experience and you learn the language, you get better at it. But two years later, you're still like holding up the app. You're still like, you've, you've, the best thing you do is where's the bathroom. And can you say that slower, please? You know, (laughs) where, you know, that's where you're at, you know, and you know, where Scott, he's Anthony Richardson. He didn't get, he didn't get to go there for two years. He didn't have, he doesn't have the app. He doesn't have a guide. He shows up. It's like six months into the, you know, he's been there for six months. The first couple of weeks, he got taken by street vendors. He got robbed. You know, he had some embarrassing moments. Okay. 
But the difference is, is that he speaks at the speed of a language speak of a native speaker. He listens at the speed of a native speaker. He senses emotion and can convey emotion. And the guy who ripped him off, he actually, the second time the guy tried to rip him off, he caught him on that because it wasn't that he didn't, it wasn't because he didn't understand the language and didn't understand emotion is that he didn't recognize like the equivalent of not recognizing cover two. He didn't recognize the difference between a scam in Vietnam and the one that he grew up seeing wherever he was from in Miami gardens. Okay. It was just a different kind of scam because the culture's different, you know, Man. he just didn't see it enough. So you end up, you end up making friends with the con artist. He shows you all the places of where you should go, shouldn't go, that you're going to get more out of it. You're going to actually make more friends. You actually get to know native folks who are like family and you have more bonds. So Anthony Richardson, to me, is a more intrinsically um, talented player who integrates information better, does it faster, just doesn't have as much experience doing it. So when people scream that he throws the pick six on cover two or that he tries to make the Matthew Stafford heroic throw with the defensive tackle in his chest while he's on the move late in the game or that his receivers drop a number of passes that are, are catchable, they're missing they're missing that he's putting the ball exactly where it needs to be in many places, layering throws like Justin Herbert, moving in the pocket like a seasoned pro, and that he's closer to a – he's going to be like Josh Allen in the sense that Josh Allen may need a little bit of time to, for him to fix the footwork a little bit to be a little more accurate, but he's going to be closer to a Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, Steve McNair type of player, which means that he could be a future MVP. I see McNair never had to practice. I feel like that dude never practiced. And he was always out there and you're like, Oh, here he goes. Uh, game winning yeah. drive again. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it just seems like that. And by the way, 20 years leads Matt to the perfect analogy. So uh, t- 20 years of experience. Uh, that, that is outstanding. That was a great analogy. Uh, l- let me ask you just in terms of fantasy, is there any landing scenario, Anthony Richardson slips where you put CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, any of these guys that you have ranked in the similar range in the same tier ahead of him in terms of dynasty value? Absolutely Las Vegas because Josh McDaniels is <laughs> um, has a very bad <laughs> reputation as a quarterback or a co- quarterback coach or a coach because as um, you know, I've heard that I heard this long story that I won't get into in great detail, but the former GM for the Broncos during that era that they brought on um that they they brought on um, Jay Cutler and they brought on Josh McDaniels later after that. Um, I can tell you because I was on the show with Brandon Thorne when he was the producer and I was the guest. Um, you know, he told the story about how Josh McDaniels ripped Jay Cutler after his Pro Bowl season. First conversation, not hi, nice to meet you. Just like he went full Vince Lombardi before Frank Gifford and company he had to tell Vince Lombardi that you're a young kid. You need to shut up, sit down. And like, we know you're smart. Just like learn and try and be a people person a little bit more before <laughs> Lombardi became great. And Josh McDaniels went like pre went New York Giants, Vince Lombardi on him. And Cutler turned to his agent and said, get me out of here. Yeah. That was that was the that was the story. So McDaniels has a lot to prove as a developer. And because of the offense that he has, it's much more about throwing short. It's much more about giving them a lot of information for the defense to look at right away. But it's more from the pocket. And while Richardson can eventually do that, if he had a better coach in terms of a personality who's proven, I would be OK with that. But Tom Brady, Tom Brady could tell Josh McDaniels to sit down and shut up 
and stop being a bleepity bleep, you know, probably <laughs> for and get away with it. There are not yeah. a lot of young quarterbacks who could. So I would say that would be the worst case scenario for him. Now, Matt, in the rookie scouting portfolio, you acknowledge the impressive tools that Will Levis has, but you leave the distinct impression that you think <laughs> Levis would be an extremely risky selection if he were a top 10 pick. What are your biggest concerns? You're such a gentleman about this. You know, <laughs> I love it. But uh, <laughs> um, here's the deal. I mean, if you get him in a situation where he can be like Jordan Love and have two to three years to sit on the bench, maybe three to four, and he really works at his craft, maybe there's a chance that that can get better because, the, like you said, he's the toolsy guy in this draft, even if it's not like the greatest tools you've ever seen. But um, the, the, the problem with him is that he's about two to three beats late with processing the field. And as you, we're starting to learn that – the, the closer you are in the middle of the field, starting at, you know, starting at the snap before the snap, the more you have to process information at a high speed. And for quarterback, that means that when you see leverage that's advantageous for your receiver, whether he's looks open or not, you have to understand that it's open and you have to get the ball out like that. It's got to be like the comedian hitting their mark and telling a good joke because you can have the greatest jokes in the world. And if you don't have timing, the joke's going to fall flat. And that's what happened with like, Alex Smith was one of the worst comedians that we've ever seen at the quarterback <laughs> position. Patrick Mahomes is funny as all get out. You know, he's like, he's the Richard Pryor of quarterbacks at this point. So, you know, when we look at, when we look at Levis, he's two to three beats late. And then when you look at his feet, he's got footwork issues that drive accuracy. You know, you want the bat, the midline of your back foot pointing where the target's going to be. Midline of his back foot is pointing where the target actually is, not where it's going to be. He has the front toe for that refined accuracy needs to be pointed at the, where the target's going to be too. His toes way out to the left side or the opposite side of the field of where he's going. And then he tries to fix these two um, positions of his feet as he's releasing the ball. Doesn't work that way. And the fact that he's had a, a quarterback coach and Rich Scangarello, who's been in the NFL for years, though he's had a series of one-year jobs, which makes you wonder, you know, how effective that's been, how, you know, in terms of how easy it is to work with, whatever. And he hasn't fixed that yet. He hadn't fixed that year two, you know, hasn't worked on it. Those are two things that are going to take some time to do. And when you put all that together, um, it's hard for me to be confident that he is an NFL caliber quarterback right now. Um, and really, to me, if I were grading him, I think he's a third string caliber quarterback at wow. best. You're also not crazy about some of the things that you've seen from Hendon Hooker. Uh, you know, he's showing up in the first round of some mock drafts and you have recommended that dynasty managers monitor him from afar unless they're able to stash him away on either IR or a taxi squad. What are your worries with Hooker? Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel much better about Hooker than Will Levis, to be honest. Like, Le Hooker, I think, has NFL caliber skills and that he can be a backup this year if he were healthy. Next year, he'll be able to be, I think, a number three then a, and a number two, maybe if you really want to push it. And that eventually he might become a journeyman if everything comes together. My concerns is that even the things he does well, he can be a beater too late with with processing, like downfield throws. Um, he plays in an offense that is maybe four to six years away from actually trickling down to the NFL um, in the standpoint of that everything's spread out wide, the field spread out extremely wide. And 
you know, him reading the field hasn't been great. He's not a, he's like Robert Griffin in the sense that he's athletic, but he's not real mobile or maneuverable or flexible as a mover. Um, so, you know, I like the skills to build on. I don't love the skills as a first round player. I think that's the one that's a little absurd to me. We're going to move on to running backs here, but before we do, uh, let me tell you guys about our 2023 Dynasty Draft Kit at FantasyPros.com slash Dynasty with expert rankings, trade advice, combine coverage, Dynasty rookie profiles, position, position primers, and more. You'll have everything you need to dominate your draft for free, FRWE. Upgrading to premium unlocks even more draft strategy content in our draft kit, along with the access to our Discord, which allows you to directly interact with our analysts. Unlock the secrets to crushing your dynasty draft with our dynasty draft kit today at fantasypros.com slash dynasty. Now, uh, Matt, I've been talking about Bijan Robinson for a couple seasons here because, uh, as you can see in the background here, I am a Texas fan, huge Bijan fan. I'm actually buddies with his uncle. Uh, is nice. this guy the next Ladanian Tomlinson? I mean, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm hyperbolic about Longhorns, of course, sure. but. This is one of the best running backs I've ever seen coming into the draft. You know, Saquon was up there as well. Um, I I love this dude. Super hard worker as well, as you pointed out in your uh, RSP. So I am so excited about him. Do you match my level of intensity and excitement about Bijan Robinson? Is I guess is my question. I probably never could, but I can <laughs> say, but I but I can appreciate it, and I definitely appreciate Bijan Robinson. He is certainly in that tier of guys like. Um, Chubb and Barkley and Todd Gurley and guys that we've seen along those lines. He can be a difference maker. Um, and, you know, my comparison for him was two players that if you put them together, you might get LT, Frank Gore and Reggie Bush. If you kind of took the combination of both those players, um, that might actually equal LaDainian Tomlinson. I don't think he's quite as, um, I don't think, I think he's agile as LT. I don't think he puts it quite together as intelligently as LT does um, or when LT did. <coughs> You're also probably not going to see him in a Marty Schottenheimer offense that pounds the rock at the level that maximizes what LT could do. But at the same time, you know, he's an excellent receiver. He has gotten better. Like there were some things I saw in 2021 that – kind of thought, well, he's more like the the worst of Barkley as a decision maker in some regards, and he's shored that up. Um, you know, part of that is learning how to hug blocks at the line of scrimmage so that you're when you're making a cutback, you stay tight to your block, and then the backs, the pursuit coming down the line can't reach you. Or if they do reach you, it's not getting a body on you, it's getting a hand on you so that you can run through them. But, you know, size, speed, strength, um, receiving ability, decent blocker who's going to get better. Um, there's no reason that you don't consider him the top player in the draft class, um, especially with early on how teams are going to try to use him. He should be he should be a fantasy producer from the jump. So everyone's got Bijan as the number one with a bullet. And then it seems like everyone's got uh, Jameer Gibbs sort of as this tier unto himself. Then the rest of the pack after that. Um, do you see it that way also? And do you think if if you do, is Gibbs closer to Bijan or is he closer to the pack? I would almost, I, I kind of have it. I've got like six players that I think all belong um, or five to six players that I think all belong in the same tier. Um, Bijan's obviously at the top of that tier, but Gibbs to me is fit based to depend on whether he's closer to that pack 
or closer to Bijan in terms of how that's expressed for fantasy or for, you know, just um, production value. Gibbs took me a while to come around on, to be honest. I saw him more early on in his career as maybe, and I loved Justin Jackson as a talent. He just couldn't stay healthy. And then he, he got basically beaten out by Austin Eckler because he couldn't stay healthy. He was looking good early on. What might have happened if the team was like sold on him early? Could have he had gotten more shots? And um, that's a that's an interesting question of what if for someone like myself, maybe fantasy players go, ah, it's just Austin <laughs> Eckler. He's great, you know. But um, but that said, I kind of thought Gibbs was more of a slightly better, um, slightly better Justin Jackson. Um, who, but now that I've looked at his game a lot more, I would say he's kind of his aspirational player is Marshall Falk, um, really quick footed, um, excellent pass catcher. Has to get better as a receiver. He can he can make certain types of plays in zone that are good, um, but he's not that guy that Alabama constantly split out and used the way that you would think. They actually took him out of a lot of plays on passing downs that you would think he would stay in conceptually. So he's going to, you know, I see the Kamara comparisons and from a quickness, a, ability to squeeze through a, a tight crease, um, you know, the speed, re- the hands, that's there. That's great. The difference is that Alvin Kamara is like a Zen master of contact balance that I have never seen before. And I mean, like it's, I, I still have Saints fans who love my Twitter page because I've shown stuff on Twitter about a video of like some of the crate. There's a play against Carolina where he literally, there's, n- I still don't understand how he got hit and knocked backwards and came back right up like kind of one of those kitty punching bags that have the round bottom <laughs> or a blocking tool kind of, he came right back up and, and was able to do that. I, I still don't know how he did that. Um, and Gibbs doesn't, isn't remotely like that. So good player. I, I agree. He's the number two guy, but I think there's three to four guys who could be mentioned in the Robinson Gibbs tier. when it's all said and done. I know one of those guys, Matt, is Ty J. Spears. And Spears obviously, uh, you know, rose up a lot of boards just based on what he did uh, in the Rose Bowl against USC, uh, which was an amazing performance. And I suggest anyone that hasn't seen Ty J. Spears go back and watch that game if you want to just fall in love with a running back. He was unbelievable in that game. And speaking of Texas, one of the comps that you have on him is Jamal Charles. Uh, and I, I love it because this is uh, another speedy back. Uh, tell me about that comp, please. Yes. Well, I, have, I haven't I have comped anybody to Jamal Charles in a while, I don't think. Um, and anybody who I think, I, I think when you look at Charles, the thing that's awesome was awesome about him is in addition to the speed and the, the agility that Spears has the agility. He has the quickness. It's all, totally there is the control of the footwork to when you have to take a sideline approach on a perimeter run where you're taking the runway towards the boundary and then you have to cut downhill. You want to see backs do that as efficiently as possible. And for me, it's like, you know, if, if you're making that cut between the tackles, you can do that within. You should be able to do that with one step. If you're working to the near side of the field, one to two steps when the far side of the field maybe two to three is acceptable if you just want to be a committee back, you know, a guy who's like capable of being on the field. But when you're a guy like Spears who can do all of those with no gather step needed, you can just immediately just plant your foot and you're downhill and do it after you've been running at a good clip, a good pace. That's special. 
and he has that special. In the USC game, like you mentioned, you don't see many guys who have the cojones to say at running back to work in the middle of the crease and give give a leg and take it away on a middle linebacker in the middle of a tight space and get away with it. Now, will he get away with that in the NFL? Probably not. But like Jamal Charles, who I always equated to as that kid who was failing algebra because he was in his basement at night, late at night doing physics projects that you <laughs> that would be along somewhere in Caltech. Um, right. You, you know, and then Todd Haley said, Look, man, I know you possibly can do this stuff. But you got to figure out how to mature a little bit and figure out what's within your wheelhouse against these top athletes. And once he did, he was still ultra creative and special. And, of course, he also had the cojones to, to tell Texas people when Adrian Peterson jilted them, you're going to make I'm going to make you forget about Adrian Peterson. Well, <laughs> I don't believe he did. I always remembered that. And I always and when I watched his game, I said, well, he came as close as anybody possibly could. <laughs> that kid's a special guy if he can, like, learn to tame it. And Spears is that guy. I would also recommend watch the Houston game and watch the Memphis game because he's a good receiver too. Like Charles, they matched him up outside in key situations like overtime, one-on-one with corners, and he could win there. So I, you know, he's not a powerful guy, but like Jamal Charles, what I learned the most from Jamal Charles watching his game for running backs is that if you initiate the contact and you have the quickness to do it, you initiate the chain of events that happen next with that interaction. And therefore, if you're quicker, you can shock a defensive tackle with a quick strike and then spin off it or duck under it or, you know, and those types of things are what made Jamal Charles special. I think Ty J Spears may not be quite Jamal Charles, but he's closer to it than I've seen. When we had you on the show a year ago, Matt, you were telling us about your enthusiasm for an unheralded Tasmanian devil named Isaiah Pacheco. And then lo and behold, 10 months later, he's moving the chains in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, is there an Isaiah Pacheco this year? Is there a, are, are there candidates uh, to yeah. have that sort of impact from someone who maybe we're not aware of and winds up coming out of the ether to surprise everyone? I'm going to give you two. And I'll, I'll, one is Tyon Evans out of Louisville, who was a transfer from Kentucky and bef- I mean, from Tennessee. And before that, Hutchinson Community College. And he is a 5'9", 225-pound back with 4'5 speed. He's in that dimensions of like, um, you know, Ray Rice, Travis Henry. He can run through you, run around you, run over you. He's got the, you know, he can run both gap and zone schemes. He's a little better at one than the other. But, um, you know, if they get the right fit or he develops just a little bit more, he's going to be versatile. He can catch the ball. He's got some real potential as a blocker. I just think that because he transferred a couple of times and he was a community college guy that he's getting a little bit overlooked. The other guy that I've, I've this is the second time I've only mentioned him. Um, and and last night was the first time and I reviewed film on him on a Bears related podcast the ttnl network keeping it 100 those guys are great but uh is christopher brooks out of byu who was transferred from cal 61235 and he is has great feet zach zenner the former lions i think is training him or representing him wow. i don't remember which but zach he zenner. is he can catch he has good feet he is an <clears throat> old-fashioned pile moving powerful back with good feet who can make the first man miss either against penetration or in the hole. Um, He's not going to do crazy jump cuts, but he can run wind back. He can run power. He can run counter. He can run zone. 
especially inside zone. And he reminds me at worst of guys like Gus Edwards um, and Samaji Pirine at best uh, middle ground, maybe Mike, Mike Anderson, the old Broncos back and high end. He might be more James Conner than people realize. And I don't think he's going to get drafted, but when he, when he's going to make a roster, I bet. What about on the other side, Matt, who are we, overvaluing and i when i say we i mean just the media maybe the fantasy uh media in general who are we looking at going oh i like this guy but you are a little lower on yeah that's a good question you know i think that you know we could say chris rodriguez as a sleeper people talk about him that way but i think it's tank bigsby um Tank Bigsby, every i wanted to like tank bigsby everyone i know even scouts that i know were kind of like you're going to love Tank Bigsby when you watch him. I just know you are because he's, you know, you like those backs who break a lot of tackles and all that. But when I watched him, I wasn't as impressed. I um, I thought that he he gets frustrated very easily and tries to bounce things outside that he shouldn't when it needs to stay within the scope of the play. Um, I think he has a lot of tools in terms of being able to use footwork combinations, but he doesn't know how to combine them all that well. Um and so there's some issues there. Um, I think he's used a lot on certain types of plays that you're just not going to see maybe as much. And maybe you will now that they're simplifying the offenses to to run more counter and gap. So maybe he'll work on some of that. He's improved his speed. But to me, he's more like a Bilal Powell type of back, who I think is can be good enough to help you and 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 be a fantasy asset as a bye week option but I don't see him as a lead starter for a long, extended period of time probably a touchdown dependent guy so uh I I understand I, I understand uh, the talk there and I, and I like tank so uh but not as much as I like Ty J um, let's, uh, go to the wide receivers, but before we do, uh, by now, most of you probably heard of reality sports online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it's complicated? It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online fun, Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is a platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out our general, your general manager skills for free. FRWE in a mock. If you still, uh, if you like what you see, use promo code Fantasy Pros to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at Reality Sports Online. Dot com and Mr. Pat Fitzmorris and I are going to be running a dynasty league on reality sports online. Um, we're going to be uh, taking submissions. We're, we're going to go to our discord, which we do on fantasy pros every Friday at five Eastern. If you want to be in a league with Fitz and I, a dynasty league on reality sports, please come and check out our discord and tell us you want in. Uh, we don't know how many submissions we're going to get, but um if it's a lot, we're going to do a raffle. If it's, you know, not as many, maybe you'll get in the league just by letting us know you want in it. So please come check out our Discord, 5 Eastern uh, Fantasy Pros Discord, where Pat and I will be talking Dynasty to uh, enter to possibly get a team in that league. Now, Mr. Waldman, let's move over to wide receivers and Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
seems as if he might be the only lock to go in the first round. That is what we're hearing. You know, I, I mean, I feel like anything that we're hearing right now about the draft from the media people, you can just crumple, crumple up, throw it in the trash. It is not real, but this is what we're hearing. And I know Jackson Smith and Jigba is at the top of most people's boards. Um, is he in fact worth a first round pick? And are there any other uh, wide receivers that you find first round worthy in this class? I think from the, from the standpoint of what Jackson Smith and Jigba does well, and if you want a uh, slot receiver who can give you a little bit of either what Julian Edelman and Greg Jennings gave you, or even what Cooper cup gave you to a degree, if you're that kind of team wide zone team, where you spread the field a little bit more um, and you have the slot receiver on the field at all times, then I think Smith and Jigba can be that guy who maximizes that production in terms of receivers that could be first round picks. Well, if we're going to look traditionally from how GMs see it, GMs like those bullet points, those guardrails, so that they can kind of cover their assets when they explain to people why a guy fails. And part of that is they want guys with height, extreme speed, um, you know, and and that's something that really the next two guys on my list who I think are first round caliber players, A. Flowers and Jordan Addison, don't have. They don't have that height. They don't have that weight. Um, but in the end, I think that they're going to be players who can be long-term values, maybe even wide receiver ones for their teams, especially Zay Flowers. Um, Jordan Addison, I think, will be that kind of Devonta, a slightly better version of Devonta Smith. I know a lot of people love Devonta still, but I think some people are realizing now that Devonta's kind of that guy, you know, in those classic movies where they have the bully and there's the kid who's standing in front of him <laughs> with the bully behind him being the mouthpiece for the bully. You know, I think A.J. Brown's the bully and Devonta Smith is kind of the mouthpiece for the bully. And that's no <laughs> that's no slight at, at Devonta Smith. He's fantastic. But when you have the bully taking care of the primary corner, who's going to cover you and bully you up the try to bully you back up the boundary and lose. That's not something Devonta Smith does well. And I have fears that maybe Jordan Addison might not quite be might kind of be more like Devonta Smith in that way. Cedric Tillman. I like him more than most. Um, but would you draft Mike Williams in the first round? That's a big question. If you're looking at potential production and what he's been able to do, the answer might be that's a safe pick. I might go for that considering what we have as bus. But the way GMs look at it, probably not because they're looking for the ultimate primary guy who can do everything. As a bit, I just have a quick sure. follow up on that, Pat. Uh, what? Who was a wide receiver in recent years that you loved going into the draft and he ended up in a spot where you're like, oh, God, I hate this for uh, his skill set, his production under this coach, whatever it was. Do you do you have one of those recently? Yeah. Hakeem Butler. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hakeem Butler. Yeah. I hated that he went to a team that was that basically you could tell they were mixed on what they wanted from him. And then he really didn't get, and you know, he had drops. He certainly did, but you're watching him lighten it up in the, in the, you know, in was it the XFL right now or the USFL? It's the XFL. He's lighting it up in the XFL. It doesn't mean that's going to translate to the NFL, but he's going to get right. another opportunity because you can see what's there. I mean, I, I just think that they wanted Andy Isabella. They ended, you know, they ended up getting him too. But Andy Isabella wasn't good enough. You know, he had things yeah. to work on. And Hakeem Butler, just like you, you just didn't really see what the opportunities were. And he got labeled. And I think that maybe he'll be able to reform his image and we're going to see more from it. Yeah, that was a tough one. He was the uh, favorite wide receiver of some people in that class and wound up being Mine. sliding down to day three. So, um, yeah, man, that, yeah. Was, that was disappointing. Um, 
All right, Matt. I'm going to ask you for your rapid uh, takes on three receivers who you maybe seem not wildly enthusiastic about. Um, first of all, Quentin Johnston. He is a if if he can fix his hands positions, he could be the top receiver in this class because he hasn't completely yet, and he's working on it. But it's still a struggle with his game, and that what separates a primary starter from a back from a guy who's more of a contributor in certain situations. He's at the top of my second tier as almost an immediate starter, but that's the thing that's in his way. Yeah, you um you really get that point across in the RSP about how other people, you know, that's just sort of a bullet under weaknesses for him, for you. It's like, this could torpedo this guy's career. If this doesn't get fixed. If it, if it goes completely wrong, it could be Robert Meacham. Yeah. I, I mean, a guy with that size should not have a low contested catch rate. Josh down should not have a higher contested catch rate than, uh, than, than uh, Quentin Johnson with his enormous yeah. size. So I, I, I understand that. Too, Good segue sure. bugs. Cause the next guy on my list was Josh downs. Yeah, I think for me, this is if I'm going to bet there's a guy I missed on like easily, it would be Josh Downs. Um, but I, I would probably have to go back and rewatch some things right now. I just see him as more of a, a good slot receiver. But a guy like Jamison Crowder, where J everyone was excited about Jamison Crowder. I remember Mike Mayock saying he could be more than a slot receiver. He could be, you know, an outside guy. He's a really sneaky, good player. And I just think that he's kind of like the North Carolina version of Duke's Jamison Crowder. Jalen Hyatt. Speedy, love what where you can fit him. It, he could be terrific for a team, but for a fantasy team, I think of Henry Ruggs early in his career. I think of Ted Ginn. I think of players who, did they have the contested catch skills? And I didn't see that on film. And I watched pretty much, you know, every I did watch every every play of his last year. And the one that I remember was a back shoulder fade where the defender was still a good yard off of him. I haven't seen any contested plays and, and maybe he can do it, but until he proves it, I can't give him the grade. Harder to run by guys in the NFL than it is at the college level. Um, now Matt, one guy, a lot of people are super down on is Kayshawn Butte after his uh, poor combine results, but your scouting report on him has a pretty optimistic tone and uh, you had some interesting com comps for him so which nfl receivers do you see as the closest comparisons yeah when you look at Keishon Butte, i mean the fun thing about him is you know he's 5'11 195 he ran a 4'5 40 4'2 and everybody got down on his 29 inch vertical leap because receivers supposed to jump high but you know the same similar profiles for those two guys are robert woods and jarvis landry and he's quicker than both and he's faster than landry and but he can make the first man miss. Most of his play is on the ground. He's making people miss after the catch. One one or two people almost consistently. Um, he's good at being able to win the ball in the air. He's he's skilled as a route runner. He just got banged up. People expect him to be Jamal Charles. Um, J Jamal, excuse me, Jamar Chase. And nobody can be Jamar Chase or Jamar Charles. And you know <laughs> he, uh, it, you know, and on top of that, he's someone who. Um, you know, because of those things and the combine, people went nuts about it. But it's the same thing with Dalvin Cook at the running back position. He had a low vertical and people got down on him and they didn't realize that his style of play was based on curvy linear movement, not on jump cuts, not on hard cuts. He never does that. He rarely makes these cuts. He's pivoting his feet almost to change his direction. It looks like two pistons, you know. So you have to understand how to match the player style to the metrics. 
and the metrics match his playing style. I think he's going to be basically in that realm of Woods and Jarvis Landry, maybe a little better than Landry, not quite Woods. We'll see. Maybe maybe he'll get to Woods level at his peak. How much do you consider, you know, because Keishon Boutte is one of those guys that had a horrible attitude the last year. You know, he was like, I hate that this is news, but it's news now. Like, he unfollows all of the LSU stuff on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, and then he re-follows it, and he kind of, you can see him take plays off, things like that. Um, just just little nagging off-field things. His attitude at the Combine didn't seem very great. Uh, this is probably not a dude that's going to interview very well. Uh, how much does that, how much of that goes into, you know, your, your profiles and your consideration, anything at all? Nothing, because here's the okay. quick, the quick and dirty about it is that even with teams that do this stuff, um, they get it wrong. Like you sure. think they, they, I mean, literally like I've heard story after story from scouts and guys who consult with teams on things and teams don't understand that maybe they need to have like a, a psychologist, uh, an industrial psychologist, maybe they need to have somebody with a lawn ba- uh, enforcement background actually checking these things and doing it in a way because a lot of teams, what happens is they assign them um, the scouts who are, you know, 25 to 35 years old, the bulk of them, who this is their only job. They've right. never really interviewed people before. They've been told what to interview, but then they're also told to editorialize or to make decisions based on what they heard. So, if, you know, if Pat goes in, goes into a bar, goes to a school and the guy says, um, and the recruiting coordinator says, yeah, he's partying all the time. And I'm going to pick on Pat today. Cause I just love Pat. Is that like, <laughs> I saw him go Pat, pick on him is that, you know, he, and he just goes back to the team and says, this guy's a partier, take him off our boards. And they go, okay, you go to the school or I'm, I'm going to be nice, nicer to you, Scott. So I'm going <laughs> to, it'll be me. I all go right, to I the like school. Him. And I go I at least go to the bar that I was told that he goes to. And I asked him, does he show is he, you see this guy? He goes, yeah, he shows up three times a week. And then I go, well, see, there you go. That's confirmation. And then you show up and you're the only wise one of the three of us because you ask him, how long does he stay? About an hour and a half. What time does he come here? About 730. Um, what does he does he drink anything? Nope. Brings a bottle of water every time. Same three friends. Right. Talks to some people. Leaves. Never had a problem. Good tipper, nice guy. Wildly different ideas of what right. that is. And also you have to understand that maturity is a factor too. Fred Taylor, I can tell the story now, needed a bodyguard to an off-duty police officer to actually take him. I think he probably told this story by now on those players yeah. things that he's doing. But I I heard this 10 years ago and I did an RSP. I kind of made a a slightly based on reality version of this 10 years ago in one of my um site articles about how you would handle a situation like this he he still thought he was at university of florida partying when he was in jacksonville he <laughs> nearly missed a flight you don't miss a team flight as a no. player so they put an off to a retired police officer to carry his keys around and follow him from wherever he went he was just a partier he wasn't a bad right. guy but to do that and make sure that he got to the airport on time, no matter what condition he was in. That's yeah, what that's way different than unfollowing people on Twitter. Yeah. So yes, yes. Uh, obviously there are levels and layers yeah. to every Dogs person. And, and so. I'll, uh, I mean, I'm not making excuses for Keishon Butte, but I do think he's like one of the youngest wide receivers in this class too. Uh, like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's turned 21 yet. And yeah. imagine being told you're the next Jamar Chase, Justin yes. Jefferson, you, you know, those guys. And you, you think you're, that's going to happen. And the program goes, 
Right. Yeah. And they're blaming you. You have a a 308 yard game as a freshman and everyone thinks you're, you know, you think you're king of the world, I'm sure. (laughs) Let's go to tight ends to end this out here, Matt. And let's just start at the top or the perceived top of this class with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, He's your number one tight end. He has drawn Travis Kelsey comparisons. Uh, A lot of people. I mean, this is the thing you hear from a lot of people. Is that fair? And is it really fair to compare anyone to Travis Kelsey because he's probably the best tight end that ever play? Not completely, but fair. But it's fair enough to compare him as a receiver. He has the he has the ability to go above the rim like Kelsey. Great hand-eye coordination, great skill and tight coverage. After the catch, I would even compare him to an extent because he actually makes the first man miss consistently, if not the second or third man. He's very good at being able to break tackles. He generally either breaks a tackle or makes a first man miss. And you don't see that from a lot of tight ends. So that's all there. Now, as a blocker, no, no chance. Can't compare him to Kelsey, even though people say he's not a great blocker. He could have been a great blocker. They didn't want to use him that way because they don't want to wear him down. They want to use leverage him as a receiver. Kincaid is more of a lead blocker. He's more of a guy that you use on windbacks or on pulling blocks on on counter or use him as a stock blocker. And that's enough. If a team realizes that's what he's going to be and they use him in a spread offense like Kelsey, he can be that guy. Now, the rest of this tight end group is deep. Uh, especially for fantasy. Michael Mayer seems the most pro-ready out of this group in terms of being able to catch the ball and block. Uh, Musgrave, Laporta, Kraft all seem like great receiving options. Washington is a physical freak. Is there anyone from this group who, um, you know, is maybe a tier or two lower for you? And is there anyone else that should be up in this group? Sure. I think that... I like Michael Mayer a lot. I think I would agree with the assessment that he is probably the most pro-ready guy because he's a good blocker and he's a proven zone receiver who can win man-to-man in tight coverage in short, you know, short to to early intermediate ranges of the field, meaning the red zone. Like he can be a one-on-one matchup in the red zone. Um, but if you're looking toward, so to me, in many of these rookie classes that we've seen tight ends, he would have been top one, two, or three in the past three to five rookie classes that I've done. But this class has guys with more promise athletically because you're not going to match. I'm sorry, you're not going to match up Michael Mayer on the outside um, on the level that you do with Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. I just don't think he has that. Um, I know that some people say that, well, they used him differently, but I've used him. I've watched him multiple years. I just didn't see that level of athletic ability. Is he closer to Dalton Schultz or closer to like Gronk and those guys? You know, to me, if the comparison I think that I have for him real quick, let's see. The comp that I had for him is more like Hunter Henry. Um, okay. When Hunter Henry was, you know, is really with a good weapon at quarterback. Um, Pat Fryermuth, you know, Austin Hooper, that's the low end Austin Hooper. You know, Hunter Henry at his best is the is more of where I think he'll be. And Pat Fryermuth, when I think where Pat Fryermuth is going to be when his quarterback catches up is is where his aspirational upside is um but you know guys that i think that should be up there sam laporta because you know no team's going to pick sam laporta to be an inline blocker but there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to use him out on the wing as a blocker kind of like kincaid and he has terrific hands he's someone who um very good after the catch really has a savvy of being able to get downfield well um he runs good routes He's more of a receiver as a route runner in a lot of respects. Um, 
And then I would add Luke Schoonmaker out of uh, or Schoonmacher out of Michigan. He's a top athlete, and but you know he's used a lot in line because he's the best blocker in this class, if you ask me. Um, and the fact that you didn't see him get a lot of matchups, I do like the bend. I do like the quickness. I think that he he may not be a matchup guy that Gronkowski was, but I think he could be the, one of the better all around tight ends in this group. I think that's everything. Unless Fitz, do you have any more, uh, you know, questions for Waldman before we send him off to the next podcast? I'm sure he's booked up from now till the draft. Yeah, we know Matt has media appearances stacked up this time of year. So I think we can <laughs> let him go on that. We hit all the uh, major positions and I think all the major guys we wanted to ask him about. So, uh, but man, I would definitely recommend checking out the RSP. Go get that thing. Uh, you know, I was telling Matt, I, I sat there on my couch on Saturday night, real exciting life, uh, you know, at, at nine o'clock <laughs> or whatever with the dog asleep at my feet, just, uh, you know, reading, plowing through the RSP. And, uh, you know, I love this stuff, like the, the anecdote about, um, you know, Matt, what you thought was your misevaluation of Dak Prescott and how you kind of yeah. went back and like, you know, self audited your whole process just because you were curious about what you had missed there. And, uh, you know, that's just the dedication to your craft that you have. And it really shows in the RSP. And there's just, you know, there's like a little bit of everything in there. Some great storytelling, um, you know, obviously great scouting and, and evaluation, like so thorough with your process. Really impressive piece of work. And I urge people to go out and get it. Well, I really appreciate that. The analogies are top notch, Mr. Walden. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, I love these, but please uh, remind everyone where they can find the RSP. Yeah, you can find the RSP at mattwaldman.com. And I'll just add that I give to an organization called Darkness to Light, D2L.org. I've been doing that since 2012. Um, and they're an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children through training programs, whether it's universities, government organizations, or individuals, civic groups. You can um, you can go to D2L org to find more. I donate up to $5,000 each year now, and I've donated over $55,000 to them since 2012. We're probably going to make it 60, get to over 60 this year. That's awesome. Great guy. Great information. Please check it out if you can at Matt Waldman on Twitter as well at Bogman's Force for myself and at Fitz underscore FF for Fitzy. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.